Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. What's the best way to fish like a local? What if you could book a trip with an experienced local guide with the click of a button? Now you can with Fishing Booker. Now anyone can access enjoyable fishing experiences anywhere. Take the legwork out of setting up that trip and explore more than 30,000 fishing experiences at your fingertips. Just go to fishingbooker.com to get started and book your trip with a local guide. That's fishingbooker.com. Fishing Booker. Fish like a local. I've been telling you guys about Land.com to help you find a place to call your own and do all the hunting and fishing and hanging with the family that you want. While owning your own piece of land is something that can generate memories, I can speak to this personally because my family, we own a couple small, beautiful little backcountry parcels. It can also generate income in both the near and long term, like starting a rental business slash family compound that can benefit both this and future generations. Check out the hundreds of thousands of rural listings from across America. Enough dreaming about it. Land.com is the place to find and invest in your open space. My name is Clay Newcomb, and I'm the host of the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast. I'll also be your host into the world of hunting the icon of North American wilderness, the bear. We'll talk about tactics, gear, conservation, but we'll also bring you into some of the wildest country on the planet, Chasing Bay. On this monumental episode of the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast, we are going to relay some very pertinent information to you guys. We're also going to talk about some highlights of producing this podcast. But before we do that, you guys know that it's time for hound hunting, squirrel hunting, dog hunting. You need to check out our friends at DU Hunting Supply for all your dog stuff, leashes, collars, custom shirts, Garmin products, anything you need. Incredible customer service from Buddy Woodbury and his team is what you will find if you call these people if you order stuff from them this is an impressive company and you can check them out northwoods bear products long time long time long time friends of ours and even more importantly than that we're long time users of northwoods bear products when we're baiting bears spring is coming upon us if you're going to be baiting a bear it makes zero sense for you to put out bait be it natural bait be it man-made bait bait a bear without the use of commercial scents because you're going to extend the range the scent range of that bait extensively northwoods bear products offers an extensive and full line of bear scent products check them out at northwoodsbearproducts.net cva muzzleloaders man if you're looking for a muzzleloader in 2021 cva has an incredible line of muzzleloaders from entry-level stuff all the way up to long range, precision, incredible stuff. I'm shooting a CVA Acura mountain rifle, which I love. 
like its breakover capabilities. I like a breech plug that you can unscrew with your hand. I like how light it is. I like everything about it. Check out CVA for muzzleloaders in 2021. Lastly, our buddies at the Western Bear Foundation. They're a nonprofit hunting conservation organization fighting the good fight out west for bears. They're a membership-driven organization. So you can join the Western Bear Foundation and support their mission to help bears and to help hunters. Western Bear Foundation. Check them out. Colby. Mm-hmm. Colby Moorhead. Hey, welcome to the Bear Hunting Magazine Global Headquarters, man. <laughs> this COVID stuff has us knocked out. Colby's been uh, working remotely. Yeah. We'll say. Yeah. But working hard. Yeah. Working hard. Bear Hunting Magazine North. <laughs> Bear Hunting Magazine North. We've That's expanded. exactly right. <laughs> hey, you know that we're deep in the heart of Squirrelapalooza 2021. Oh, really? Oh, of course. Yeah, this is uh, deep, deep in the heart of Squirrelapalooza. 2021, which is uh, where me and the kids and many other families are, uh, we haven't been able to go every day because, you know, sometimes we have something going on in the, in the evening. Usually we're hunting in the evenings, but we're trying to squirrel hunt as absolute much as possible mm-hmm. over the next 60 days. Yeah. Is so, this increasing your uh, squirrel craft, your squirrel crafting? Uh, oh, oh, my or, ability or, to make arts and crafts with squirrel stuff. Yeah, ornaments are are done. It's not that season, so like, is there like some? I'm already other? making some Christmas ornaments for next year. Oh, okay. What Colby's referring to is a video that I made for uh, Meat Eater, where I made a Christmas ornament out of squirrel tails. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to read you a uh, text message that I sent to uh, a friend of mine a few days ago. Mm-hmm. He says, Clay. If you end up doing any squirrel hunting this week and it would work to have folks join, we're super interested. And this is a friend of mine I hunt with and his kids. And I say, yes, probably go tomorrow. We may go this evening for the last hour. He says, we're up for both. Just let me know. All right. And this is sometimes things just come out of your mouth and you realize that it's that the that the that the energy behind it is deeper than even what. You realized when you said it, okay? I'm um, looking forward to it. <laughs> and I said, 10-4, stand by. Squirrelapalooza is raging, and the flame blows hither and yonder at its will. <laughs> so poetic. And uh, so what I was trying to say is, I don't know if we're going to go this afternoon or tomorrow afternoon, but I'll let you know. <laughs> so Squirrelapalooza, we're, pro- we're going to try to go this afternoon if it's not too cold. Yeah. Um, it's pretty chilly out there. Not, not not too cold. That that's not what I meant to say. What I meant to say is it's not raining. Yeah. Cold does not affect Squirrelapalooza. I, I didn't Rain, figure it would. I was a little surprised, but I was yeah, in yeah. agreement. Rain <laughs> does affect Squirrelapalooza. Well, hey, we're gonna get right into the heart of uh, of this monumental episode of the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast. Indeed, um, we we need to break some news to people, Colby. That uh, that really no one would know. Yeah. Uh, people may have noticed that the last two weeks we haven't put out a podcast. They might have just speculated that it was like the holidays or something. Um, but it was, it's a little bit deeper than that. And this is really a, um, we're extremely excited to say that this is the final episode of the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast. Yep. Those words are, they may seem counterintuitive because... I said we're excited to say that this is the final Bear Hunting Magazine podcast 
episode. Yep. We currently have made, how many podcasts have we made? A hundred and... This will be 115. 115 podcasts. So basically for the last two and a half years, we have produced a weekly podcast, mm-hmm. maybe just missing a f- week or two at random times. The reason I'm excited to say this, Colby, is because we have a, a big announcement that I think is going to make everybody happy, is that we are starting a new podcast. True story. So though this is not, though this is the last episode of the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast in its current form, this is not the last that you're going to hear from this uh, this this channel. And we're starting a podcast with Meat Eater. Mm-hmm. As, we, as we told people before, I now work for Meat Eater. I also work for Bear Hunting Magazine. None of that's changed. Um, I, I still publish and edit Bear Hunting Magazine. You still work for Bear Hunting Magazine. Mm-hmm. Bear Hunting Magazine has never been better. Um, and, but I do work for Meat Eater, yep. and, I, and it's been an incredible three months. And from the very beginning, we have been formulating with Meat Eater a podcast. And as many people know, Meat Eater has a suite of podcasts. People, unless you're really paying attention, sometimes this isn't, it's not intuitive, but there is such a thing as the Meat Eater podcast. Let's just be clear here. The Meat Eater podcast is Steve Rinella's podcast. Yeah. Okay. Meat Eater, the company, has a suite of podcasts. And those podcasts, aside from the Meat Eater podcast, would be The Hunting Collective with Ben O'Brien, Wired to Hunt with Mark Kenyon, Bent with Joe Cermelli and Miles Nolte, um, Cal's Week, Cal's in, Week review. in Review with Ryan Callahan, and, cutting, that's, and Cutting, cutting the, the Distance with Remy Warren. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm coaching you. When you, say, <laughs> when you say them all on the line, it's hard. Well, there's going to be another one, and it's going to be... It's going to be a podcast that I'm going to do for Meat Eater. Yeah. Okay. And we can't go into extreme detail or much detail at all other than that. If you are currently subscribed to this RSS feed, one day in the near future, you're going to wake up and you're going to look on your phone and it's going to say, boom, something. And <laughs> Some it's going name. to say, podcast. And you might even see a picture of me. I don't know. Maybe not. Don't look for a picture of me. Just It's going to say, podcast. Meat Eater, Inc. Meat Eater. And you need to listen to that podcast. Because we're doing something different. Uh, We're doing something that's very different than this. And I'm very confident that it's going to be enjoyable. And And it's been enjoyable for me so far. It really has been very, very neat stuff. So stay tuned. Mm-hmm. Just keep watching your podcast feed. And all I can say is sometime in the near future, this RSS feed will transition into that Meteor podcast. So there we have it. There it is. Um, What I wanted to do today on this final episode was kind of – go back and track a little bit of our our history podcasting and maybe me even tell a little bit of my personal journey into this form of media and uh, and I want to hear some of your stuff too Colby you know for the last year and a half 
almost two years, I guess, mm-hmm. you've been producing the podcast for me. Yeah. Um, but I, let me say that I originally was hesitant to get into podcasting. I was a little bit late to the game of podcasting. Five years ago, podcasts were like, like everybody started to have podcasts. And, and every month forward that we went from that time, it was like, you need a podcast. You need a podcast. People were telling me, Clay, you ought to do a podcast. You ought to do a podcast. And to be honest with you, I was leery to do it because, first of all, I just wasn't sure that, I wasn't sure how, if it would be valuable to people. And secondly, from a real personal position, Colby, all these forms of media that I had done in the past allowed me to kind of script how I wanted to be portrayed and how much of myself that I showed people. Those other forms of media allowed me to be very conservative with those things. For instance, like video. Like you might you, you might think that video is like, oh wow, they're seeing your face, they're hearing you talk, they're seeing what you do. Well, if you're making video, you you can be very you you release what you want to release. Um if you're being a writer or a magazine, I mean you're hidden behind a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh you don't have you, you you tell the reader what you want to tell the reader. A podcast is pretty different. And, and I'm not saying I don't have control of what I say, because I do. But when you have an hour to two hours every week of free flow conversation with another person, you reveal a whole lot about who you are. And up until two and a half years ago, I was not comfortable with that. Yeah. I just didn't I just didn't feel like it was the right time. And something happened and I was just like, okay, now's the time. And in my kind of journey many things have come about that way just like it wasn't right it wasn't right it wasn't right and then all of a sudden it felt right and I pulled the trigger and when I pull the trigger on anything I try to do it to the best of my ability try to make it as good as I could and so I committed to making a weekly podcast and that ended up being like really significant for us and for our business and not necessarily financially. I don't want to paint the picture that someone would think that like you're living in a dream world. If you think you're going to get rich off a podcast like ours, I mean, you're just not. Um, But inside of our business and inside of our mission statement of what we're trying to do in the bear hunting world and in the hunting world in general, and inside of this being a small business that me and you run, Mm. um, it became really valuable to us. Definitely. Because people, you know, people got to know us. People got to know what we valued. People got to see some really valuable, incredible people, you know. And uh, so... The Bear Hunting Magazine podcast for me was a developmental tool personally. Mm-hmm. Like I, I tell, I say this to some people is that, you know, human communication is like an extremely important part of our lives in whatever field you live in. I mean, you may think you don't need to communicate, but you do. And uh, to practice communicating in a thoughtful way is, is very developmental especially when you're talking with experts or you're talking with people 
that have some knowledge that you don't have, or you're trying to mine something out of them that you know they have that maybe they don't even know they have, but you see it. And uh, I can go back to the first podcast that I did two and a half years ago, and I can hear a difference in the way that I think and talk even. And inside of my life, Colby Moorhead, I value personal development at all levels. Um, I'm not happy with the human that I am today. I mean, I'm content, Mm -hmm. but I know that there's developmental processes inside of me that are good. It's good for me to stretch myself and to grow in knowledge and all, all kind of stuff. And to me, the podcast has been a massive platform for personal development. I've had to overcome, uh, I mean, you, you may not hear it, but I mean, there's been times in this podcast when I have had to overcome insecurity and fear. Um, there's been there's been administrative difficulties on organizing and getting things set up. And I mean, we've we've traveled extensively at times just for the podcast to go meet people which may not have made sense. It's like, golly, you're going to drive eight hours one way and do a two-hour podcast and turn around and come back. Um, you know, it took dedication, sacrifice, some discipline, some time management, all these things. And I think those things are really positive. For sure. Know? Yeah. And uh, I know it was developmental inside of you. And, you know, you've not been on every podcast. I mean, so uh, but you've you've been on a lot of them. Yeah. And you put your hands on almost all of them mm-hmm. on the backside of production and different things. And a lot of them would have been, you know, you would have had influence that people wouldn't see, like maybe an idea for a podcast or, hey, you ought to talk to that person or this person. And yeah, uh, can you speak to that in any way, Colby? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, for one thing, the te- technological side of it, like I had to be pretty technical whenever a challenge would come up, I would have to do some research and figure out how to how to manage that. Uh, even the equipment we have today took a, a process. So like if you if you listen to the earlier ones, it sounds so much different than it does now. Mm-hmm. And so there was just like growth inside of that process. Um, but even just like, you know, being willing to, uh, I always struggle with jumping into a conversation. And so I think that, you know, it made it to where I'm, you know, had to, I had to develop that a little bit, you know. It's like I still have more room to grow inside of those things, but at the same time, it's like there has been development inside of that uh, that area. And even just, you know, thinking about possible topics and, and knowing that not everything that I bring is um, going to be necessarily a good idea or like on brand or whatever we want to do inside of the podcast, but it was still like a valued idea. Yeah. And so just being willing to, I mean, that builds a sense of vulnerability. It's like, I'm willing to share something even though it's shot down and I know it's still valued. Yeah. You know, you know, collaboration is just that, Colby. When you're partnering with somebody to do something, it doesn't mean that, yeah, that's because for the one good idea, there may have been four that they weren't bad ideas, but they just weren't the idea. Yeah. You know, so yeah. Yeah. Or even like, what we name these, what we name the podcast is sometimes the hardest thing, you know, or what we write up about it or anything. And so just even inside of that, learning how to think in in different ways of just like how is, you know, in communication is like sometimes 
and what the things that we've been doing, it's not a two-way conversation. So it's learning to think in a way that we share something and it and it conveys a message to where there's not like some follow-up question or something, you know. And so I th- so even inside of that form of communication, it's something that it's helped me think in a different way. And even, I mean, it's that thing is going to continue to grow even without being involved in the podcast, but just inside the magazine and, and what information we put out on social media and everything, it's forming a different way of how to engage in a thought, you know, not like here's a recipe for how you do something every time, but it's just learning a new way to think. And yeah. so that, that's been a, a process that's, uh, I don't know how it, like tangible it can be, but it's definitely something that's, that's real that's happened in the background. Yeah. Yeah. That's good, man. That's good. You know, so aside too from like this personal process that both you and I have had inside of producing this kind of media, um, we've also put out a lot of good information for bear hunters and not just bear hunters. I I told somebody the other day about one in every five bear hunting magazine podcasts we talk about bear hunting. Uh, (laughs) So, uh, you know, for somebody that maybe has isn't familiar with the style of content that we have um we don't always talk about bear hunting we've we've kind of let this podcast be a platform for just whatever we wanted to talk about that was outdoor related hunting related i mean we've had some to this day some of the most commented on podcasts that we did had to do with the ones on raising kids and building family culture yeah I mean, I, I think last night I got a big, long email from some guy yeah. that had never listened to our podcast, mm-hmm. but kind of started listening to several of them, found that one, and then when he did, he started listening to all the rest of them. Yeah. And I mean, that doesn't directly tie to bear hunting. Yeah. That was a Colby idea. <laughs> it probably, it was. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Building family culture. Yeah. 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 So, but to me... It's it all fits so well together because mm-hmm. I mean I always say this, but hunting, the actual acquisition of wild protein is always about something bigger. Yeah. And that something bigger has always been about feeding your family, feeding people. And so like to be some great hunter, and we say it all the time, but to be some great hunter, but to be a to to not be a successful husband and father or mother, um, there, there's a hole inside of that, you know? Yeah. And, well, even the idea for that podcast wasn't like, oh, this is what people want to hear. It was because I feel like the thing inside of the podcast that we've done is try to be authentic. So it's like it was something that you could authentically speak to because it was something that you actively build and pursue inside of your life. And it's, and so it wasn't like a stretch to say, oh, let's do a podcast about this. Right. It was this reflects like authenticity inside of what happens here. Yeah. You know, and so I feel like inside of all these podcasts, it's been kind of a reflection of what's authentically something that you would do. Like even like the snake podcast with Chris Jenkins, it was like you have a fascination for snakes, you know. Yeah. And uh, same thing with like personal development, whitetail hunting, squirrel hunting, coon hunting, you know, uh, and just like valuing people. Uh, I think that's one of the common threads too. So like the Ori Province podcast or, 
you know, Mo Shepard or James Lawrence or your dad, like just all these people. It's like, it wasn't like, it, it's not that they're valued because of what they've done. It's because of who they are and they've, they found yeah. a lifestyle and they, they lived that lifestyle out that they were just, they were authentic to, you know? Yeah. And I think that was really like one of the driving forces inside the podcast was, was that, you know, it was something that you might not be able to n- nail down at times, but. I mean, I was thinking about even the Aaron Snyder podcast we did. It's like we didn't ask him questions that you would hear, you know, him asked on other podcasts. And so that kind of identifies the value that we have or what we see as value inside of the podcast, inside of hunting, inside of our own lives, you know? Yeah. 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 That's good insight. And we have sought to be authentic and and at times that authenticity is just giving out good bear information, which we have. Mm. You know, uh, it'd be fun to go back through all the titles of the 115 podcasts because some of, some of them were just like tactical, like dummies guide debating bears, how to how to uh, judge bears, judge bears. Um, you know, utilizing bear meat and bear fat. Like some of them were really practical. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and functional, and I think that's really important because, you know, I mean, we do have a, I mean, inside of the context of what we're doing at Bear Hunting Magazine, I mean, we are trying to give people bear hunting information. Yeah. But I think what we what we did was we maybe drew a lot of people that weren't bear hunters into this world through other things that they were interested in, whether it be squirrel hunting or deer hunting or family stuff or, yeah. and then they got here and they, they saw something, maybe they got interested in bear hunting. Yeah. And, and I don't really care. I mean, yeah, I do have, I, I, I do want people to be interested in bear hunting, but not mm-hmm. just for the sake of people going out and killing more bear. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I'm interested in bear hunting because people getting interested i'm interested in people getting interested in bear hunting because <laughs> yeah. i feel like it's a critical comp- component of the north american hunting model mm. and i also know that it is a part of the model that is in jeopardy because of anti-hunting sentiment and many different other things culturally i mean just the, just the idea that the average person you walk up to on the street be fun to do this like just go ask somebody do you think humans eat bear in 2021? <laughs> uh, it depends on where you were asking that question. Some places, you know, probably eight out of 10 would say yes. Some places, 10 out of 10 would say no. So just this kind of cultural idea that bears aren't a usable resource is actually detrimental to the whole of North American hunting. Yeah. So that's why I think it's good to educate people about bear hunting. Yeah. Educate people about the commodities that we get from bear hunting and how we actually use more of a bear than we do in almost any other kind of critter that we hunt. And this connection to food and wildlife related commodities, utilitarian resource of wildlife is really a strong point of relevancy in 2021 as we continue to rebrand what hunting is to a population that often doesn't understand. Mm -hmm. And so by us being able to put a good light on bear hunting, I think strengthens the whole of North American hunting. So that's why it's important for people to be bear hunters, I think, and to just have an understanding of it. We had a call this morning 
from a guy from Western Tennessee, and he had found the podcast and subscribed, and, and he was calling to renew, and he just said, you know, I get this, and I read it cover to cover as soon as I get it. He said it's one of two magazines that I've subscribed to. And I have no plans of bear hunting, but I really like love the magazine. Hmm. And so inside of that, he has a really positive light of of what bear hunting looks like and an appreciation for him, even though he doesn't, you know, plan on hunting them himself, you know, unless the population in Western Tennessee explodes and, you know, maybe in that scenario. But I thought that was really interesting that you really love the magazine and what what this what's putting out being put out without any drive to pursue them yourself. Yeah. And uh, but at the same time, he's he's learning the value of them, and you know, yeah. you could tell he valued them and and this type of hunting that uh, that we do. Um, I just thought that was pretty cool. Man, I love people from Tennessee. Yeah. <laughs> Did he was, you? It was a real pleasure to talk to. <laughs> typical Tennessee, and I'm telling yeah. you, man. There. Did you know that um, the Ozarks were settled at one time, like over half of the people that lived in the Ozarks had directly migrated from Tennessee. I did not know that. Okay, now you do. Now, now do. you know why I love people from Tennessee. Because mm-hmm. it's our cultures are a mirror reflection. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that's good in, That's good intel, man. Well, don't for a minute think that because we're not producing this podcast that we're not producing our, our, our magazine. Because Bear Hunting Magazine is, uh, is, is going to continue to function and and we're excited that this new podcast um which isn't and i'm gonna go ahead and leak a small bit of intel about the content of this podcast it's not bear focused yeah now could i speak for more than 10 minutes without talking about bear probably not okay you follow me i'm checking but it's not bear focused like like this, like our podcast has been. So I think that would excite a lot of people maybe, or, you know, and be like, oh, okay, what's it about then, Clay? <laughs> yeah. You'll have to find out on your own, <laughs> is what I would say. Yeah. Um, so we're excited about it. And uh, and we're, I think it's going to free us up to even continue to make our print magazine even better, better content. I really do. I think yeah. it's going to be good. Yeah, um, it's definitely going to free up some time for me to focus on those things more. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, what I wanted to do just briefly was talk about kind of a few experiences that I've had. I kind of talked, gave a general overview of the podcast, but there are several that stand out to me that would be like, um, just behind the scenes things that when I think about this two and a half years of doing this podcast, what stood out to me. And I want you to, th- I want you to think about it too, Colby, like, mm-hmm. like be thinking of, and the, like us going somewhere or, so, or somebody that was here that, you know, just, let's just talk a little bit about it. But the, yeah. the first, the first one that I want to talk about is Ori province. Yeah. Um, Ori Province, it's, it's, the episode was Old Mountain Hunter. It was on our greatest hits. A portion of it was on our greatest hits podcast. I interviewed Ori Province 10 years ago. And Ori lives way out in the mountains. Um, for Arkansas, he lives about as far back as you can live. And Mo Shepard told me about Ori Province. And he said, hey, there's an old man that lives, you know, down in this place and he's killed two huge bucks and you ought to go interview him. And it was for a different magazine. 
I go to Ori Province's house, meet him, and he's just a he's a relic. You know, what I mean, like he is like um, for for. And I met him. Well, it would have been like 2012 or something. I mean, at the time, I mean, it was just he was a relic of a man. You know, not influenced by the trends of the times very much. And uh, he'd lived out there his whole life. Was a logger. Was all this. And uh, I took a photograph of him with his deer head hanging on a barn. And Ori was a not a very tall guy. Ori was probably five foot seven or six, maybe. And uh, he he was standing in front of his barn, and he had a big set of shed antlers in his hands, standing by one of his big bucks. And I caught him in this photo laughing. And I showed that picture to my wife years ago. And she, my wife said something to me that kind of shaped the way that I thought about what I was doing. And she said, Clay, you're a cultural anthropologist. Like, I mean, she said it in such a way that, I mean, it, it wasn't, I just was like, what, what do you even mean by that? You know, anthropology is the, the study of, of humans and the study of human history. And, um, and she said, that picture is special. You captured something of the Ozarks that's unique. And, uh, and it kind of, to me, I was, I, I didn't know what I was doing when I interviewed this guy. And that kind of put some, it didn't really define anything for me because I didn't change anything, any way that I was doing anything, but it kind of gave value to what I was doing as I was going to some of these guys and talking to them. And um, later I would come back and do a podcast with Ori. Almost 10 years later, went back and did a podcast. And I loved it when Mr. Ori, I said, do you know what a podcast is? And he said, nope, never heard of her. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, we recorded this podcast with him. And... Um, a month later, Ori Province was 91 at the time. And a month later, Ori passed away. And we had this hour and a half to two hour conversation about his life. You know, most of it was about his life. It wasn't even about his hunting, even though we did talk about hunting. His wife was there. She talked. And uh, it was just special. Like, I, I just was grateful I would have had that conversation with him if we were recording it or not, and it would have been like highly valuable. I had my son with me, um, and we portray values to our children in so many ways, but the biggest way is by just what we value and what we expose them to. My dad was kind of a, in a way, an armchair cultural anthropologist, or, or, or now that I like, you know, kind of evaluate the things that I enjoy and value. I got it from him because my dad used to take me. Some of my most bright memories as a kid was my dad taking me to some old, and there's one guy in particular that I see in my mind and I don't even know his name. I know where he lived, but, um, but it was a, I mean, just as country a man as there is in Arkansas. And this guy had killed a big buck, and my dad knew him. 
And dad met the guy somewhere, and the guy told him he killed a big buck. And dad said, hey, we'd like to come out to your house and see it. I mean, my dad loved big deer. And so we drove out there, and I remember hearing that man talk and seeing his house and seeing the way that he lived, and they were poor. They were dirt poor. And my dad, who was a banker, my dad was a professional. I mean, he was like a, you know, I saw the value that he attributed to that man. And as a kid, that really impacted me because dad didn't diminish that guy for being dirt poor. And I, I mean, I had stark recollection that this man's life was different than mine. Just, and, uh, oh, my dad painted that guy like he was a hero. And that stuck with me forever. And he didn't do that just once. He We did that like my whole childhood. Somebody would kill a big deer and we'd drive to go see it. And we'd talk to that person. And sometimes people we knew, sometimes people we didn't. And so that's kind of the, like going to some guy's house and talking to him and interviewing him was like kind of second nature. You know, my dad wasn't recording what he was doing, but essentially he was. The other thing, and I'm kind of off on a different tangent with my dad, but my dad, I remember when, right before hunting season, he would get on the phone and talk to his hunting buddies. And, you know, back in the day, just picking up a telephone in your house was the way you communicated. So you wouldn't be talking on your cell phone in a truck, you know. You'd go back home, and once it got dark and you had dinner, you'd pick up the phone and dial somebody's home phone number, and they'd pick up the phone. Well, we had two phones in the house, one in the front and one in the back. And when he'd call John Mesco to talk about deer hunting that weekend, I'd say, hey, Dad, can I get on the other end? Can I get on the other phone and listen to y'all talk? And so I'd go to the back bedroom and pick up the phone, and I wouldn't say a word. I'd just listen. And I'd listen to them talk about deer hunting. And now I recognize the influence that just listening to those men talk had on me. Now that inside of a podcast, this is what I'm doing all the time. And I, I, I valued uh, listening to grown men talk. Nobody, and my dad probably put that inside of me, but it was kind of innate almost. Like if two men were talking, I was going to be like eavesdropping. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was going to be listening to what they said, not saying anything, um, but just listening. And um, so I said all that to say, like that Ori Province podcast to me just stands out as like really unique, partly because he's not with us anymore. And I realized what a jewel it was to have that audio recording. And and his family is what told me that, you know, his family now has that recording, which they wouldn't have had before. That has value for them, you know. Um, that one stands out to me, that yeah. podcast. Yeah. Do any of them stand out to you, Colby? Well, I mean, that one does. That was one of the first ones that that we did after I had gotten here, I think. I remember meeting you and Shep at, at a restaurant afterwards, like kind of halfway in between. That's right. Yeah. yeah, you weren't there, but you you came down and I, I called you were at the office. Yeah. And I called you and said, Hey, we're gonna we're gonna eat lunch over here. You ought to meet us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So no, it was it was it was cool. I you know, I think I remember just kind of the scenarios around podcasts more than the actual content and just the people themselves. I I know that the 
we, we when we did our kind of like Montana podcast tour, it was fun. That was fun. We would just do one after the other and just drive here and then drive a couple hours and then do another one. Yeah. And uh, just, you know, the people, you know, getting to meet the different people and, and people that a lot of times you can look at, it's just their drive. It's something that they chose to pursue. And I think that there's a lot of value inside of that too. Uh, even like at the beginning of COVID, when we went up to the to the college and talked to, oh, I forget his name, Brooks Blevins. Yeah, Dr. Brooks Blevins, Blevins about just the history inside of inside of people that were in this you know Arkansas region and uh, all the books that he he had written. It's like, man, this guy is driven, you know, yeah. to just eat up everything they could and listen to, well, listen to podcasts like and everything surrounding like Keith Sutton. And, mm-hmm. and everything that he did, the life he had and and uh, everything that he pursued. And then just like hearing about like what his life is like now, you know, uh, it's just you see I, I'm attracted to authenticity and just people that are genuine. And so even these like just being around James or hearing, pod, you know, being on the podcast with him or or Mo or hearing advances, yeah. you know, podcast um, or when we recorded a podcast up in Washington with the guys from DU with uh with um Buddy and, and Jason. Yeah, Buddy and Jason W. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, just as far as content, it's hard for me to nail one down, but I just remember all the things surrounding them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, anytime we did if if you if you, there was a podcast done, it was encased by usually a lot of relationship around it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, sometimes we interviewed strangers uh, or, you know, people we didn't know that well. Um, but the one thing that we did that is pretty rare, may, maybe like really rare, is we never did an internet-based podcast. Yeah. Every single 115 of the 115 episodes were done in person. Yeah. Even through COVID. Yeah. Um, and... That was something that we wanted to do because I didn't I didn't feel like um, I, I just felt like it would be more authentic. And like people were like, Clay, well, you're limiting yourself so much on your guests. And I almost felt like it was cheating. Like if I use the Internet, I could get any guest in the outdoor world that, you know, would agree to come on the show. And I, I don't know why, but I just wasn't interested in that. I mean, I could have got and I could name like 10 big names, you know, that you'd know. And I, I could have had them on the show, but I'd rather have Mo Shepard, Ori Province, Brent Reeves, Jonathan Wilkins. I mean, <laughs> that guys that I can go beat with and talk to. And I mean, sometimes we were traveling. I mean, like going to Montana with Jim Sessions, uh, yeah. Huskama, and yeah. oh, geez, we've been all over the place. Yeah. And I, I didn't mean to forget Brent. <laughs> oh, <laughs> can't forget old Brent Reeves. He, he's always there. He's like Not Life Nation podcast. Yeah, you don't have to mention Brent for him to be there. <laughs> yeah, no, no. And so, you know, that was a decision that we made that I think ended up paying off big time, which wouldn't make sense. Like, like people ask me that, and they're like, "Well, people don't just ask me that." Like. The daily battle that I had for the last two years is people messaging me saying, "Hey, you need to have this guy on your podcast." And the guy lives in New York, and I, I I just have this like scripted thing that I write. Hey, man, I'm sure that would be awesome to have that guy on, but we only do in person podcasts, you know. Yeah. So like, 
you know, if I were up there or if he were down here or if we're in the same place, I'd be glad to do it. But, uh, but that was important, I think. Um, cause it, it, there was more invested in it, you know, it, it kind of feels a little bit cheap to me personally doing internet stuff and not to say that I won't do that in the future because on the next version of this podcast, there will be some internet based stuff. There just kind of has to be for what we're doing for the yeah. uniqueness of what we're doing and that'll be okay. But, uh, but for this little section of time, that's what we did to me. There were like categories of podcasts that we did that were really distinct and one of them would be like the Ori province podcast where we met with usually an older person, an old timer. Um, and there were several that were very distinctive to me that were just will be hallmarks forever in my life. Those times I spent with those guys. Um, one of them would be the podcast I've done with James Lawrence, my kind of personal mentor, really good friend that I just have deep respect for. The second one would be Roy Clark. Yeah. Man, old Roy Clark over in East Tennessee. And Ira. Yeah, oh, Roy and Ira, man, incredible guys. I mean, man, when you talk to a Roy Clark, again, he may have known what a podcast was because someone told him that I was coming and I was going to do a podcast, but Roy would be the same way. You'd be like, Roy, you want to be on a podcast? He'd be like, sure, what's that? <laughs> I mean, these guys did what they did not to get fame or notoriety. They did it because they loved it. And, uh, you know, when Roy cried on our podcast, like that was a moment I'll never forget. And what was he doing? He was talking about his buddy and that was sitting across the room from him that wasn't even in the podcast. It was on our highlight reel. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and when Roy said, uh, he said that his friend, when he was in the fourth grade, wrote him a Valentine's card Yeah, that said, we bear hunters, ain't we, Roy? <laughs> And uh, man, you just can't you can't write that kind of stuff. And I, I I've used that since then. I made a post the other day on Instagram, which is essentially the modern Valentine's card. And I had a picture of Shepherd and Bear and my nephew Christian, and I it, we were coon hunting. And I said, "We coon hunters." <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, Roy Clark, man, incredible, incredible conversation we had with him ed vance i can't i can't talk about our podcast without talking about ed vance and that was a really unique one because we went all the way to california for that yeah um and went to his house that that one was a stretch because he didn't know me i didn't know him i just read the man's book and i was like this is a guy i want to talk to and uh, we went to california looked him up and they treated us like we were family you yeah. know and I brought my whole family to his house. And to this day, you know, we're friends with with Ed and his wife and just incredible people. Um, I'm, I'm scrolling through here on some of these other podcasts. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd categorize Mo Shepard in that same category, too. Mo's been on several times. And, and Mo, Mo's not quite an old guy. If he's listening to this, I'm going to give him the I'm, I'm not going to call him an old guy because mm -hmm. he can still probably walk up mountains better than me <laughs> but uh but he but mo the the other thing that we did that people loved and that i loved was we interviewed a lot of biologists yeah i got right down to the nitty-gritty i've always loved biology i've always loved people that actually had the data 
had the research. It wasn't anecdotal. It wasn't just like a hunter that just had these isolated observations, though they be a lifetime of observations. Sometimes biology tells a different story, and I, I don't I don't want to be caught up in the wrong facts. And I think you know science helps us not do that. So we met with Myron Means and Sarah Lida and uh, Laura, Laura Conley. Conley. And uh, other biologists. Who else did we meet with? Um, I, I hope I'm not missing somebody. Those were the main ones. And we met with them even several times at different times. Oh, uh, over in Oklahoma. Oh, yeah, Jeff Ford. Yeah. Yeah, my buddy Jeff Ford yeah. over in Oklahoma, bear biologist. Yeah. Um, incredible stuff. Incredible stuff. We, uh, But we also did a lot of detailed tactical style podcast so we had like these the 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 the, the interviewing the old guys biologist and then i would say tactical how-to stuff that oftentimes i'd have brent reeves ryan grab or other experts uh heath martin was on one of them uh mo would have been categorized in one of those um and where we where we would just nail down specific stuff and tactics, and some of those podcasts are are great resources that we refer to people all the time. Somebody mm-hmm. will write us and be like, "Hey, tell me about bait and bears," and we'll go, "Man, just listen to that podcast. We talked about it and told everything that we knew." Mm-hmm. So those were important. Judging black bears, uh, black bear shot placement. Um, we also had some fun storytelling podcasts. Brent Reeves and I, on episode 84, did a Dueling Stories podcast, which was uh, about an hour and 15 minutes long, where we'd just swap stories. Just, I would tell a story, then he'd tell a story. I'd tell the story, and he'd tell a story. And uh, we we told some good ones. Um, but we, we also had some, uh, we had Cam Spinks on the podcast, uh, country music guy, yeah, it talked about his hunting and his music, and he was on. Uh, what was he on? The Voice. The Voice. Yeah. The Voice. Blake Shelton's The Voice, <laughs> and uh, he talked about that. We went and visited old Ted Nugent. Yeah, that was a unique podcast for sure. Yeah. Um. Oh man, the stories we could tell about that. You yeah. just have to go listen to the podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We Ted welcomed us into his home. They were both very hospitable. Very hospitable. Um, just very unique people. Yeah. For sure. Uh, we also had a lot of in-the-field podcasts that were that were talking about what we were doing. Like if we were in Montana bear hunting, we'd do a podcast like in the field. If We, we did one on elk hunting in Montana. I've done many podcasts in the field in Arkansas, like at a camp, at a turkey camp, at our bear camp, uh, at our deer camps. Um, With outfitters. Around the, yeah, we've done podcasts in outfitters camps. And those are always really good. Get some good intel, kind of get a feel for what it's like to hunt in that particular place. Um, Credible stuff, man. Well, hey, the main thing that I want to portray is that this season of interviewing people in these long form formats has been special to me i've enjoyed it and i hope you have too and all these podcasts will remain available as the new meat eater podcast begins they will remain available 
So you'll be able to go back and listen to these or share them or whatever. And I hope that you will. Colby, closing thoughts? It's been a fun ride. Been a fun ride. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of value. Yep. Well, thank you all for for listening to us and for the support just that you've given us by listening, by supporting our advertiser, all the, you know, I'm going to ding all the bells, you know, all, just just the support that you've given us, subscribing to Bear Hunting Magazine, buying merchandise from us, all that stuff is, uh, we do deeply appreciate it. And as we sign off for the final time in this format, the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast, which it's not just this format. I mean, Bear Hunting Magazine podcast is is no more. Mm-hmm. And uh, truly, thank I thank all of you guys and gals and kids. We appreciate it. And for the last time, keep the wild places wild because that's where the bears live. Yep. I've been telling you guys about Land.com to help you find a place to call your own and do all the hunting and fishing and hanging with the family that you want. While owning your own piece of land is something that can generate memories, I can speak to this personally because my family, we own a couple small, beautiful little backcountry parcels. It can also generate income in both the near and long term, like starting a rental business slash family compound that can benefit both this and future generations. Check out the hundreds of thousands of rural listings from across America. Enough dreaming about it. Land.com is the place to find and invest in your open space. Clean and protect your firearms with Riptide Armory. Riptide, a veteran-founded business. It's dedicated to producing American-made cleaning chemicals and also dedicated to creating American jobs, and that commitment is embodied in every product that's bottled, labeled, and shipped from their Arvada, Colorado facility. Safe for all firearm types and surfaces, embrace the power of American ingenuity and protect your firearms with the best. Visit RiptideArmory.com.